So I'm wearing um, Hoka's. I don't know if you're familiar with the brand of shoe. <laughs> nope, but they look very nice, John. They have they have these really thick thick sole. I just don't wear them running very much. So they're just kind of sitting around, and I thought, oh, these shoes are good. Like, they're good shoes. They're good podcasting shoes. Uh, Yeah, so they're my podcasting shoes. I put them on before we record a podcast in case I need to stand. Hi, my name is Jonathan Bowers. I am the CEO of Two Story Robot, a software development company helping Angela and CRS build a product. And my son just pooped in a potty for the first time. That's amazing. Willingly. Well... So not willingly, he, we, just before bath, uh, bath time is like my routine with him. So we go in the tub and he's bathing and he's kind of squatting in the tub, playing around and he's pooped in the tub three or four times. Of course. And I try not to make a big deal out of it, but when I do, I often like just kind of yell and it scares him a bit. So I tried not to do that when he started to grunt as he was yep. squatting down in the tub. Yep. I'm like, oh, okay, let's get out, do a quick dry off. And then we put him put him on the potty and he sits there and plays with his toes and plays with the handle and and out comes a poop. And Jonathan, how old is that? He's 17 months old now. It's pretty fun. I'm so <laughs> happy for you. <laughs> Thanks. I am. Hi, I'm Angela Hopke and I am the CEO of Central Referral Solutions, the company that has launched Clinect. And I cleaned poop out of my almost three-year-old's pants five times in the last few days. Oh my goodness. Is this a regression? Is this some kind of anxiety-induced thing because of some change in school? Or is it just... Yeah, you don't You don't know my daughter. It is oh. pure, I don't give an F. <laughs> <laughs> I am way too busy digging for worms and playing and in the sandbox to worry about the poop I've just had in my pants. But then she's upset with herself afterwards. So we do have progress. (laughs) The shame is there. Oh, yeah. So we just want her to not feel that and just go poo on the potty. So tell me, tell me, Uh, how can I how can I segue? Where are we segueing from peeing, peeing and pooing pants into pricing? The three P's: <laughs> pee, poo, and pricing. I'm very sure I learned that in my MBA. I think it's product, <laughs> um, product pricing, and pos- no position pricing, and pa 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 pa. So tell me about pricing. So you originally, okay. originally Clinect, yep. maybe not originally, but one of the ideas was that Clinect was going to, there was going to be some free aspect yes. of Clinect. Definitely. We were about um, just over a year ago, we were discussing this. And at that time, the whole freemium idea was, um, I don't want to say it was hot because it was a little bit old by then, but it was definitely something that was well understood and well used in the, Mm -hmm. in the, in the tech industry was the whole freemium idea. So we wanted to take that idea and and shift it over to um, healthcare software, which isn't really done except in more like the, the, the consumer uh, models. Then I had a few conversations with a few people about this. And while, you know, we had floated it by the, the users or the future potential users and they were all for it 
but I had like a conversation with a, uh, a bit of a mentor of mine and he had very strong opinions about freemium products. <laughs> and um, he kind of just said to me, Angela, why would you ever give anything away for free? Like, could you at least just charge 30 bucks a month for it? Why would you ever just give it away for free? I just think that model is so ridiculous. And it kind of hit me a little hard because I was like, well, geez, everybody's doing it. That's what I <laughs> thought we would do too. But it got me thinking and, and about the users that I, that I have. And um, it did make a lot of sense. I was like, yeah, honestly, to my customers, what is 20 bucks a month to them? You know, yeah. it's a few Starbucks coffees. Well, and, and I think... I think also if they're not, if they don't see the value in it enough to give up the 20 bucks or 30 bucks or whatever it is, then either the value isn't enough or, you know, maybe it's, you know, maybe the customers are just not the right customers for it. Exactly. And we don't, you know, we don't want those. We don't want the people that don't recognize that it's valuable. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it was, I don't want to say it was a bit insulting to our customer to give it away for free and then just give them like the bare, bare, bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like it kind of was because we do have a bit of a sophisticated customer. So, yeah. uh, so that's when I decided that I would launch with a free trial period. Sure. And especially for our first users, because oh, they're yeah. just, they're, they're beta customers or work, yeah. they're working with us and figuring a lot of this out. The value in that first, those first few customers is heavily slanted towards us. Yes. And less so towards them. And that's just why learning so much more from them. That's why the original groups are getting a long free trial period with us. Yeah. And then um, that'll shorten as we get uh, the kind of just different tweaks and things smoothed out so i figured when we launched we would go with a like a a low cost basic model first and then have premium uh features that we would add on for an additional premium price and so that's actually how i went out and sold it to groups is i said i said to them we're going to give you like six months uh free free for you guys to use for six months. And then, you know, the right away, they're like, well, how much is it going to cost us when the free trial is over? Yeah. yeah. And I haven't never given a stuck price on it. I haven't given a firm price on it at all. I've said it'll be anywhere (laughs) between kind of that 10 to $25 a month, which nobody has batted an eye at 10 to $25 a month for the basic product. The market size for this at the moment doesn't appear to be super huge. It's not huge. So, you know, to have uh, even $100 a month as the base plan, that's not, that doesn't, that doesn't make a very sustainable business. No, I mean, it's one, it's one product yeah. and it's, um, yeah, it's not going to make us millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> I think that's when it gets interesting is to, yeah, it might it might it might anchor us too low. I'm willing to take that risk at this point right now, given the forward momentum by a lot of companies to do the type of thing that we're doing. Everybody's running towards central intakes, but not really knowing how to do them or how to create a sustainable model around them. What we're doing is central intake in a really easy to use fashion. Right. Um 
while others are trying to figure out how to be, how to do it, how to t- do a central intake and how to be sustainable. Who are you talking about as the others? Like, do you mean like competitors or? Yep, some competitors. So like some EMRs are looking at creating what they call a central intake. But when you do a deep dive into what they're calling a central intake, it's not really a central intake. And it certainly isn't a pooled referral. Right. Yeah. What would be the differentiator between Clinect and some of these other attempts at central intake? So you, you mentioned you mentioned like um, pooled referral, yes, but like in, in what other ways are they not really central intake? Okay, so let's back up and we'll talk. Let's define these. So a central, okay. what is a central intake? It's one place for patient referrals to a particular specialty to go. If you need to send your patient for a knee, uh, like a knee consult, yeah, you would send it to. A central intake would be considered one fax number that all the ortho surgeons gotcha. yeah. use to get all their um, referrals in one spot. Okay. That's a central intake. Yeah. So that's handy-ish for a lot of groups who are just trying to track some wait time data, understand what the referral demand is, blah, blah, blah. A pooled referral is typically paired with a central intake. So it's kind of like... Central intakes like baseline and pooled referrals like the next step that you take. And that's where I, as a primary care provider, want to send in my patient referral for a knee. I can send it in on typically a standardized form that has like a choose for me button or box that I I check off where I don't have to choose the surgeon. I don't have to know all the surgeons in the region and it goes into a pooled referral of which somebody assigns um, a surgeon to that referral. Right. So Clinex's differentiator is it is both a central intake, a pooled referral, but we do not rely on someone and their potential biases and things like that to assign it. Right. Or even just like kind of a picking like next, next, next. But we have a um, specific algorithm that runs in the background that can be um, controlled by like tweaks of the dial to ensure that that referral goes to the right surgeon and has a way to balance or purposefully imbalance those referrals to each surgeon. The, the, other, the other one is the confirmation that the primary care provider receives. Some competitors are, are starting to do that a little bit, that kind of that back and forth. Um, but with ours, it's central intake, pooled referrals, and confirmations back. And then plus, hopefully, a whole set of other features in the future. So the, on the topic of pricing, though, Yeah, what's part of the basic plan? The basic plan includes the ability to send a referral to a specialist in a pooled way. So you have a choose for me option, so you don't have to know who's who. So we're doing, uh, Clinect is sending referrals in um, a far more secure way than we've seen in the past. Um, Certainly over fax machines, but even more so over some... um, the way that uh, some competitors are using it. So it's a secure way to send a referral. You don't have to choose a specific surgeon and you receive a confirmation back with a surgeon's name 
or a specialist name. And then on the specialist end, they have the ability, actually, sorry, on both ends, you have the ability to historically track those referrals as to when it was sent, who it was sent to. And all that data is incredibly important when you're looking at wait times and things like that, because it captures that go date and that go time. And then on the surge is um, specialist and you have a dashboard that shows you all your referrals that you have received. They're categorized, they're urgency coded. Um, and in our basic product, we are allowing the ability to recategorize and re-urgency code or switch urgency codes on those referrals to ensure, once again, because we have an algorithm running in the background, that everything is copacetic on the on, on the back end too. Meaning if a, pay, a primary care provider sent through a whole bunch of hernias and only like two of them were hernias, they're going to initially get allocated as hernias in a balanced way um, but they weren't hernia. So when we recategorize, then it can, it can change that. And that, I know, I know we try not to use the word triage, but correct. Is, is that what you would have considered triage where the, they're coming in and, and you're sort of recategorizing things that were mistakenly categorized and, mm -hmm. and adjusting the urgency? So we are careful with using the word triage because triage assumes that there's been medical eyes on it. So meaning that the, the surgeon has taken a look at it or the specialist has taken a look at it and actually done their categorization and their urgency. So we don't know for sure that that's being done. So we don't call it triaging. We call it categorization. Um, so the baseline product includes your, um, your login to our secure system that has dashboards with historical referral tracking, an algorithm that runs in the background, an ability to choose a surgeon or have the, the um, system choose for you. And on the specialist end, the ability to accept or reject that referral. So right. that's huge because in the past... Uh, in kind of like old workflows is that acceptance or re rejection of referrals was a long antiquated process of either getting something on your computer or your fax machine and you're looking at it and you're like, oh, this doesn't apply to us. We need to send it back and having a phone call and then refaxing and yada, yada, yada. So. Right. And this is just a quick. Yep. So what's the plan for some of the things that we know will be mm -hmm. in the premium? Because I think I think a lot of the premium features are yet to be discovered because um, people aren't using a system yeah. like this yet. Yeah, which exactly. is exciting, right? We get to we get to be at the front of this and see, you know, w you know, moving to a more digital process, um, a more secure process, and a lot, uh, you know, a lot more efficient process. We get to understand what some of the some of the new pains that uh, mm -hmm. MOAs and specialists will start to encounter and primary care providers. Mm -hmm. But what are, what are some of the things that we know are going to be part of that more premium feature set? Mm -hmm. I think number one is, is um, a communication method or a messaging system back and forth because of the, the reason that I just, ex or the example that I just gave to you about maybe you receive a referral and it's inappropriate or it's missing pieces or it's not a complete referral and you're you're trying to to put it together and you just need to do a quick message back to the primary care provider so instead of picking up the phone wasting you know maybe a few more minutes of your time interrupting the very busy person on the other end of the line 
you can just send a quick um, message within the system back and forth and uh, potentially allowing attachments with that messaging system. We haven't talked about that as to whether that'll be included in this in the next premium release or not, yeah. but doing something along that line. Um, and then, so that's a big one. That's huge. That would be, um, I think, something that people would find incredibly valuable. And at one point we were talking about the pooled referral and being able to be deliberate in balancing or imbalancing those referrals is that mm. and giving the specialist the ability to tweak the dial so to speak and that's the one that i'm waiting to hear feedback from the specialists on after using our product for a little bit is what does that exactly look like so i can think of lots of examples where you'd want to tweak the dials yeah um i'm gonna go off on mat leave i am slowing down my practice i'm on the verge of retirement we have, we have a specialist right now that goes away for a few months um, per year on, he does like Doctors Without Borders for, I think it's three months every year. Wow. And so he wants to turn off all urgents and then turn them back on. Um, there's just a whole bunch of examples. And then, and then once we get into being able to tweak the dials, then we get into some interesting conversations around wait times and right. how groups can work together to start balancing their wait times based on the categories that they've already defined and those referrals are already coming in at. So they have that tracked data and they know their demand for each category of referrals and starting to get some balance around wait times. Right. They can't do that right now because number one, it's um, referrals don't come in categorized. When a referral comes into a specialist office, it's not given a category. The category comes in with the referral. Mm -hmm. That's something that the primary care provider needs to specify. Correct. And that, so that wasn't being done? There would be... Um, a reason for referral. So a lot of EMRs would kind of autofill a, um, an initial diagnosis for them. Right. But EMRs are different. Doctors are different. And sometimes you, you wouldn't put the same wording in as your counterpart. And so it's kind of all over the map. It helps the specialist because they, they understand it. They see yeah. it and they go, Oh, okay. Then, you know, that looks like it's urgent. We should get them in right away. Or, ah, uh, you know, I think that's a bit of something that could wait a few weeks and, and whatnot. But there was no standardized categories for referrals. This is what's, uh, what we're starting. So we've got a standardized list that the primary care provider picks from, but mm -hmm. it's, still, it's still on them to it's make that initial categorization, which they could get wrong. Oh yeah, that's why this. That's why it's important for us to have the feature in for the specialist to recategorize something, categorize right. something. So something comes in this um, kind of all-encompassing category that because they're not really one hundred percent sure, so they're going to put it as you know abdominal pain. Um, whereas you know specialist is going to look at it and be able to even quickly look at what's happening in the history and go, oh, that's more specifically this gotcha. um, which is important because then that helps define their journey and has, yeah. you know helps us get better with predictions and wait times down the road it's actually something that i kind of i guess now that you've you've 
brought it to light, I kind of took it for granted that we were doing this referral categorization. I just assumed that was happening. Like the way, the way we built it, I assumed that was just mimicking an existing practice. No, the first beta users that we have coming on um, from specialty groups are building their own. Um, I want to, so one of the things that, that we've talked about, which I think might be important to highlight is, is we have two customer groups on in this product. Mm -hmm. And so there's the, there's the specialists where that premium feature set makes sense for, right? We're charging the specialists to have access to these features. Yeah. There's another user. There's the primary care providers who are primarily sending sending referrals to the specialists. Mm-hmm. How does it work for them? Do they pay for it? Yeah. Um, and this is why I've been wavering on what the price is. Right. And that's kind of why I've given a range. Is it may it may happen likely happen that the primary care providers are a different cost than the specialists. So if you look at it from a primary care provider perspective, they get great value right off the get-go. They don't have to know all the surgeons in town and who's sure. who. They just have that choose for me option. They know that their their patient referral is getting through. It's confirmed. Yay. It's kind of done after that. Right. From a referral perspective. Yeah which is the piece that we're focused on. Specialists get a little bit longer term value from that. The the ability to look back at the historical, um, the algorithm that we talked extensively about, the category, the urgency, just the ability to almost waitlist manage a referral Mm -hmm. is a longer term value. So there, it might be a higher cost for the uh, specialists versus the primary care providers. We'll see. I haven't figured that out yet. Yeah, it'll be. I'm, I'm excited to. I'm excited to gather from some feedback from both sides of that. From both sides of that exchange. Um, and just see, you know, see how valuable it is to have that list just there, so you don't have to think about it or look it up. Um, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that there's some value in it being easier, as well, and it's not. I mean, I think sending a fax is probably pretty easy and the confirmation the confirmation is it feels like an obvious value exactly the way that fax machines work typically with emrs right now is a lot of it is e-faxing right so oh. there isn't a ton of you know the physical paper paper shuffling around and it is they have emrs have made it very easy to fax <laughs> literally just kind of hit the fax button I think, and, it, and that's why from a primary care provider perspective, it is very patient-centric because, yes, it's maybe easy to send to the general surgeon that you send to every single time, every single patient, yeah. and hope that they do all the things that you're sending them. Because you don't, you have built a relationship with them and you don't really know who else is in town. But that could mean a, a very long wait list. Whereas this takes away all that guessing yeah, and yeah. all that um, kind of pigeonholing yeah. and, and things that have happened in the past around that. So it is very patient-centric from the primary care provider perspective. Uh, the confirmation back is huge because then that's like time not wasted right. in the future. So that there is, there is the value proposition there for them. We talked a lot about pricing. 
talked a lot about pricing. I'm excited that you have decided to not do a freemium model. Tell me why. Uh, I just, I think it's, I think your mentor friend is correct. Is it Steve? It's Steve. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think this is more valuable than to just give it away. We can give other stuff away. We can give away the podcast. We can give away, you know, things that that are valuable, but the day-to-day value that you would get out of using the software is significant. And so that, mm-hmm. you know, we need to be able to keep the lights on. We need to be able to be motivated to continue to provide that value and to innovate on innovate even more on the value that's being provided if it's free then what's the reason like what's the reason to keep it's just a cost like it's not it's not it's maybe free to them but it's not free to us exactly what's the motivation for us to make it better yeah it's just costing time and money to time and resources to continue um to continue supporting uh free users Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited by that. I think yeah. I think that's a much more sustainable way of building a business. And I mean, there's I think I think one of the one of the interesting things to come out of COVID is uh, a bit of a rejection of that old way of doing things, which is growth at all costs. Oh, and aren't we seeing that? Isn't that interesting? The yeah. shift in forget about unicorns. Yeah. <laughs> Enough. Yeah. Yeah. And so then when we did finally launch and I was doing, you know, demos, one of the first thing people ask is how much is it going to be? And to be honest, we hadn't priced it yet. So (laughs) I had to come up with a guesstimate at the moment. Not that I hadn't thought about it before because I certainly had, but I hadn't come up with anything firm. So there's this, there's this pricing exercise that I really like. I feel like uh, anything was a word exercise in it. But. It's not an exercise. It's just like a method. <laughs> You're just rebranding it. I don't know how to pronounce this person's name. Van Westendorp's price sensitivity meter. Okay. And it's it's um, four questions that you can ask that kind of help you gauge what the price might be. So you ask... At what price would you consider the product to be so expensive that you would not consider buying it? So that's the that's the high side. That's too expensive. Mm-hmm. At what price would you consider the product to be so low that you would feel the quality could not be very good? Okay. So that's the too cheap price. Mm-hmm. And then at what price would you consider the product starting to get expensive so that it's not out of the question, but you'd have to give it some thought before buying it? Okay. And that's the uh, on the expensive or the high side. high side. And then at what price would you consider to be a, the product to be a bargain, a great buy for the money? And that's the the sort of cheaper or the good the mm-hmm. good value, okay. the good value side. And I think if you ask those questions, and we've done it, we've done it on a couple of uh, on a couple of projects, and have been surprised by the results in a in a good way, like surprised that the the pricing that we had maybe come up with in our minds was a little low should i try it should i like try a few customers and then report back i would love to hear that okay i'll report back okay wait just wait i'm gonna look up the three p's is it three p's i'm gonna go product placement and price you think product placement and price i I think think so okay i don't know uh it is uh product place Place. price and promotion there's four p's 
So the four Ps. P and poo was not one of the four Ps of marketing. Thank God. Oh, MBA, sorry, 